This podcast is brought to you by Groove Booking. Because that's my company, and this is my podcast, so, duh. Everybody, Tanner Sigford here. Uh, I have to apologize for the audio problems on this podcast because it's supposed to sound nice and clear like this right into a microphone, and instead it sounds really far away. Because it is, because I'm an idiot and had uh, the wrong mic being used, which is a room mic and not this really expensive microphone that I bought specifically for podcast so mainly uh so lexi's audio is great uh she's speaking right into the correct microphone mine was routed to a drum overhead so uh so yeah it sounds a little bit weird which is unfortunate because it was a great conversation however you can mainly hear everything it's just a little distant so uh i apologize for if you are a frequent listener that'd be awesome if uh you are that person um i've been absent for a few weeks i didn't have enough time to record some podcasts, so I haven't had anything to release. But I hope you uh, enjoy this conversation with Lexi Faust. Hi, Lexi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have service in my house because I paid way too much for a house that doesn't have service in it. Yeah. That's what happened. That's kind of crazy because when I pulled into your neighborhood, it was like Gone. one bar. And then it went away as I pulled up to your house. And I was like, where am I? Uh, who do you have? Verizon. Same. Number one, baby. Well, number one in price. In coverage. Price. The price? I think they're pretty expensive. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm I'm sure they are. I, I pay my dad my yeah. bill, but he has like a family plan because there's like seven of us. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let me just keep paying you for the rest of my life. Like I pay my bill. Like I, you know, I'm not yeah. like daddy's paying the bill, but you know. But, but he is paying the bill. But you're paying him for it. <laughs> I'm getting a discount through through my dad. That's great. Thanks, Dad. Well, well, when my wife and I decided to go to Verizon because we were so sick of T-Mobile, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was bad until I moved into this house and neighborhood, uh, yeah, when I saw the, the cost, I was like, oh. And it was because, like, so my, my parents were with T-Mobile, and I don't remember the name, but they were with T-Mobile before they were T-Mobile from, like, the first months of existence mm. and so that's been 20 however many years and uh so their family plan was like ridiculous in price wow yeah so now you have verizon is that what you're saying so now we have verizon and i have no service why well because we were both still on our family's plans and <laughs> we thought verizon was better and and what at what age do you switch out of your family's plan 20 Probably 26. I'm 28 See? Now. Look, yeah. I'm 26. Yeah. I got two years. <laughs> okay. Give me No, time. I did it at 26. Oh, shoot. So you I have got to do it now. no time. Okay. I'm on it. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, all I do is drop calls in my own house. <laughs> do you not... You have to pay separately for for service at your house? No. You're just telling me that we're in a part of the town yeah. of good old Mesa that you love. That mm-hmm. is a big downfall of Mesa. Well, this part of Mesa. This part of Mesa. What are you, in Eastmark, technically? Yeah. I like, saw that on the map. I was like, I've always heard of Eastmark, yeah. but I've never Yeah, we're in. a cult. <laughs> now I'm I'm a part, and I'm, I'm in, right? Yeah. Okay. Everybody, yeah, we'll have you do, like, a finger prick, and I'll take your blood, <laughs> and you do, like, a whole ceremony. It's a whole thing. Okay. N- no, but really, when Eastmark, um, well, sorry, to go back to the service thing, I just drop calls constantly in this neighborhood. Like, there's a street, if I walk up... When I take my dogs on a walk, I know I'm not going to be able to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I think it's because there's a bunch of, um, uh, what do you call them, like, uh, like uh, data centers being built. Okay. So, like, Meta or Facebook is being built on the corner down there. And it's it's just all servers. That's how far out of town we are, everybody, is we are so far out of town, a freaking Meta is being built on his corner down the street. Literally on our corner. That is wild. I only live, like, 15 minutes from you. Yeah, but I feel far. I feel away from civilization on a regular basis. I mean, like, Gilbert's 15 minutes west of me, and so going to Gilbert's, like, a pretty regular thing at this point. But all my gigs are in Scottsdale or Tempe or Paradise Valley. So, you know, and you book a lot in Scottsdale. So I'm like, you've mm-hmm. got an even further drive than I do. And like that extra 15 minutes adds up. 
Especially as I've been coming home from like Flagstaff. Yes. Oh my god. Because I yeah. get to where I used to live, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my god. I still got fifteen minutes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. We just finished recording a song for a project that we can't talk about because NDAs. It, it, yeah, NDAs. And <laughs> not I, me. I hate guys. being that person. <laughs> We can talk about sure. it, but it's cool. You sounded wonderful. Thank you. Uh, you're getting over a sickness, you said. Yes, if it, I sound nasally, that is why. Or just like coughing and phlegm and all the fun things. No, I was just going to say that you you probably like deathbed sick is better than most vocalists no. on a healthy day. <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, thank you, first of all. And second of all, it's more like frustrating to me because I'm mm-hmm. like... Man, I can usually do this thing, whether it's a run or sustain a note or belt, whatever. And when I'm sick, I'm like, come on, damn it. Like, (laughs) I can do this. And I'm like, no, I can't. I need to, like, listen to myself and not force it to happen. Yeah. Which I tend to do. It's, I found with me starting to sing a lot more on my own time is... Professionally live for everybody. When can we come see you, Tanner? Uh, <laughs> not soon. But we're going to talk about your show coming up, too. <laughs> so don't let me forget that. Um, but yeah, like... Just the more... The more you do anything, the better you get. Classic saying, right? But with singing, it's taken me a very, very long time of singing frequently to learn my own voice. Mm-hmm. And I still try to stretch it to a certain extent, which I think is good to, to grow and make it stronger. It's a muscle. Right. But I've had such bad nasal issues my entire life, and I'm really supposed to get surgery. Like, um, do you have, like, a deviated, deviated septum or something? Yes. Okay. So, like, my left nostril... So, like, for instance, COVID tests? <laughs> <laughs> I can touch my brain on the right side nostril with okay, COVID tests. Okay, that's... Yeah. But I can only go in, like, maybe half an inch to my left nostril, and it just hits a wall. What? Yeah, so... Wow. Because of that... I've always been pretty stuffy on one side of my face okay. and just learning, like there's just some days where I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if like singers without nasal issues go through the same thing. Are there just days that you're like, it's just not a good day to sing? Yeah. It's, it's more so like overuse of my voice mm-hmm. gets me to that point of like, if I have four or five, six gigs in a row where I'm just like, you know, I do the wedding band thing, so, like, I am scrouting to the high heavens, and so, you know, when I'm finally on the last gig, my voice is like, you better stop, or uh, yeah. we're gonna break, but fortunately, I've always had a very strong voice, like, I guess I could say, like, my vocal cords have been very generous to me my entire <laughs> life, I don't know if I'm treating them necessarily correctly as I'm supposed to, but I've ne- like. Growing up, I never lost my voice. I was never one of those kids where you'd go to a concert and the next day your voice would be gone. I just <laughs> always had like the strongest of voices and I was like, this is going to be great for my career. And then the last two years, I think twice a year, I've gotten straight up laryngitis, cannot speak, can't talk. And I'm like, usually it's due to a sickness, like a virus, I'll kind of go down and attack my vocal cords. But there have been, there's been one time in the four times where it has been um, just overuse and I am bad and I'll just go get like a steroid, like a vocal steroid and I'll use that because I'm like, hey, I got to make money off of my voice. Like this is probably necessary, but at the same time, like those are so, so bad for your voice. Like those are like, you should just take a break. I should just take a break when I'm doing, when I lose my voice and everything. Where do they... So obviously they give you a shot in the. Throat. No, no, I've oh, never it's just had. A general... I've heard of those, and I've okay. never sought those out. I just yeah. go to, um, like a CVS pharmacy minute clinic, and it's a it's a um, oral steroid. So you take like oh, okay. seven on day one, six day two, yep. five, four, three, two, one. So it's intense, and but it helps. It helps, seemingly, but what it's mm. you're. What I think it is, at least, is that your brain is kind of lying to your voice saying, hey, you can work. So then you're overworking it even when it's already kind of told you, hey, please stop. It's still damaged. Right. And you're just damaging it when it's already damp, like 
fully damaged to the point where it naturally kind of stops working. Mm -hmm. And so then, yeah, like singing on top of a not working vocal box is just a terrible thing to do, but it's like finances, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's like a painkiller. Yeah. The pain, like whatever, whatever's causing you pain is still there. Mm -hmm. It's literally shutting off that to your brain. (laughs) Yes. That sensor. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you're over using an overworked muscle at that point and I yeah. mean you see why people you know massive artists all of a sudden they're like oh gonna cancel the last half of my tour yeah and more artists have been doing that more frequently which I kind of feel like is kind of a cool wave I mean that sucks if you bought tickets <laughs> like I'm sorry but I I feel for those artists who are just like and they're working 10,000 times harder than me to 10,000 times the amount of people that I'm singing for I can only imagine not only like the toll it takes on their voice but their bodies they're physically performing every night and well depending on mental health yeah yeah I know I'm like I guess some artists kind of just sit there and play but see I big artists don't they like dance right well but again like (laughs) those are pop artists yeah I guess that's what I'm well that's who I follow mostly who I see canceling their tours like Justin Bieber did it Shawn Mendes did it well Shawn Mendes did it I think because of his mental health Mm-hmm. See, so it takes a mental toll, too. Yeah. Well, people do not realize... Like, it's so easy for people to be like, must be hard to be a Kardashian when you... <laughs> and it's like, do you understand, like, these major famous people? There's a whole other topic I could get on. I know. I've t- I totally think about this all the time. It's so weird. The fact that we have these people that we, like look at and and broadcast on the news too it's Mm -hmm. so odd and judge and criticize yeah it's really gross um but they have very busy days like you ever just traveled for work for like five days straight it's very exhausting yes and they're non-stop yeah and then they're also on top of that being followed around by a bunch of like old men (laughs) like old men taking pictures of that maybe some women i don't know how many women are in the paparazzi but the paparazzi, like the Illuminati, it sounds like. <laughs> I've never thought though how many like female paparazzi or females that work in paparazzi. Yeah. I've never thought about that. Yeah, I've I've I watch all the documentaries because I always growing up wanted to be famous. I was like, I wanna be a star, I wanna be on stage, blah blah blah. It's not too late. You can <sighs> I think you too. I think meant like I just I'm getting to this point in my life where I'm like, I don't want that like looking at these documentaries the britney spears watching the kardashians like i'm a pop culture like freak like i love all that stuff you're part of the problem is what i'm hearing (laughs) no okay i'm i'm fueling their fire okay it's fine you too lexi can follow be followed by creepy old men (laughs) yeah that's exactly what i don't want i deal with enough creepy old men in some of my areas of gigging that i'm like i've seen what that's like to the smallest like to the 10th and i hate it and so yeah or princess diana i just watched um there was a documentary on harry and megan and i just like that sounds like a terrible life like just i'm sure people don't go into it thinking i want all this to happen Mm -hmm. but that is like one of the biggest like side effects of the career that they're in and as I've gotten older, I'm like, I would never want that. I don't want to be seen half the time. Like, I just want to be home alone in my jammies, like, doing me and my partner and, like, my dog. And, like, I just, traveling all the time, not getting to spend that much t- quality time with your people. I'm I'm a very much a people person. Mm-hmm. Like, my people person, not, like, every person yeah. ever. But yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I, so I just think that sounds bad. It, it has to be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then the the you know, how, how simple it is to get enough sleep. People are like, oh, I can operate off like four hours sleep a night. I'm like, for so long. Heck no, I could never, ever since I was little, I've been never able, I've never been able to sleep less than like seven hours or else I will get sick. Like my body is like, nope, we're getting sick now. And I'm like, it was two nights of drinking or whatever. Like, I just want to live my life sometimes. Right. My body's like, no, we used to have to sleep a lot more than the average person. And yeah. That's fine, I guess. I, I used to think that people that got, like, I get eight hours every night. I'm like, well, that's because you don't have enough on your plate. Yeah, yeah. And then now, like, so I wear this whoop all the time. It's called a whoop strap. And mm. so it measures sleep. And, um, 
there's the H behind the W, right? I was like reading it or no. Yeah, no, it is. It it's is. W-H-O-O-P. Um, but yeah, but it tells me, so I wear it literally 24-7. You can charge it while it's on your wrist. Super cool. This is oh, not cool. a paid sponsorship. But you can pay me if you want but to. But you could sponsor him if yeah. you want it. You can, you can broadcast to all five of our listeners. <laughs> We might get six if I ask my boyfriend to, jo- to listen yes. to it, so. Well, it has to, but he has to listen to it separately, so it counts on the website. Right, yeah. Because if, right, if right. you listen to it together, it's still five. He's got to be, like, alone in exactly. his car. He listens to podcasts all the time, so we will just add it to the list. Cool. Well, uh, what's your boyfriend's name? Ethan. Ethan, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> hey, Ethan. Thanks for listening. Uh, I heard you're a space engineer, but we'll go on with that space later. <laughs> we will get into that. Um, whoop. Anyways, it measures, uh, everything while I sleep. Skin temperature and blood oxygen and my wife's calling me and sorry, <laughs> wife. Um, it's, but it's, it's nice that I was able to start tracking like, oh, I only got six hours sleep. Right. You know, it gives you like your wake cycles and deep sleep and REM and all that stuff. Um, and I will admit that seven hours seems like a good amount for me, mm-hmm. but if I if I get like eight hours, it's this weird thing of how people say, I got too much sleep. And then you're tired. I feel like that, though. <clears throat> I totally feel it. Yeah. No, I've experienced that, too. I think what I've learned, because my boyfriend also has, not the whoop, but he has a, what is it, a Fitbit? Yeah. And he sleeps with it, and he tells me, like, oh, I got like seven and a half hours of sleep, mm-hmm. but he's in bed for nine hours. Like, I didn't realize, or he, not even just in bed, but he's trying to sleep for nine hours. Yeah. And so I guess I'm just now realizing, like, you try to sleep, I'll be in bed for nine, ten hours, but I'm probably only sleeping seven or eight hours of that, so. Yeah, so, like, when I click on last night, it says, um... So it says, like, you were asleep from 9.30 to 6.30. Okay. Dang, you got up early this morning. What time did you get out of bed? Uh, yeah. Well, no, because that's that's wake, that's waking. So it measures oh, your heart rate. So, so it's, it's like, like deep sleep was until 6.30. Yeah, so, like, it says, oh, like, see. my light sleep. So I woke up from a light sleep. I didn't wake up from, like, REM. But it's just interesting to see, like, what times of the night... Tells you, like, efficiency of your sleep and wake events, all that stuff. Do you feel like that has given you, like, more peace of mind? Or, like, what's the biggest benefit to, like, knowing that stuff? Um, it tells me, like, what I do the day before and how I spend my night, if I'm going to sleep better or worse. Um, it was super handy when I had, you know, we were talking about being sick, like everybody, for the past few weeks. And mm-hmm. when I had the flu a few weeks ago... Um, granted I was taking like NyQuil and stuff, um, but like my skin temperature was way up and my heart rate was way up. Okay. Um, my efficiency of sleep was way down. So Mm -hmm. you can definitely tell that it's not just like giving you this false number. Yeah. It's really reading. Um, and it's mainly based off of like blood oxygen and heart rate. Okay. But it's just, it's nice to know like, man, I feel really tired today. Am I getting sick? Mm -hmm. And then you look at your, your sleep. Uh, review and it's like oh no I, I just didn't sleep very good yeah you know? and, yeah and I need to I need to restore myself more the next night more sleep more sleep well, but not more than eight hours because I know we tired but yeah I feel like sleep <laughs> is very restorative I agree yeah because mm-hmm. uh, I did learn that you know we were talking about like Sean Mendes and Justin Bieber so mm-hmm. I learned <clears throat> a while ago that massive artists like that. Mm-hmm. Um, their green room, they basically have like an interior decorator designer on the road with them to make it feel like the same living space outside of the bus in any city. Wow. And at first when I learned this, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) What a job. Yeah. Yeah. But then I did start thinking like when you're on the road and it's a new space every single day, Mm -hmm. to me, that's what a bus is, but I guess you get tired of being on the bus i don't know yeah so having a separate space inside that's every day the same relaxation Mm -hmm. i see as a benefit well yeah i feel like for me my home is my sanctuary my room especially Mm. um so i can kind of understand the logic behind wanting to have that safe space to kind of travel with you yeah but yeah what i mean like how do you get that job like i'm sean mendez's interior decorator on tour like that's 
how do you even apply for that? Like, it's crazy the amount of jobs that exist just in general that yes. you think about, and then the amount that you don't know about. Like, it's exponential, I feel like. I mean, yes, in general. I mean, how do you get a job with, like, a big pop artist for that gig? I mean, who knows? It could be his mom's friend. But, like... That's true. At the same time, I don't know. In it's LA, probably word of mouth, though. I yeah, I mean, in L.A. and, like, big markets... Excuse me. There's probably a place to find odd jobs mm-hmm. um, that we don't necessarily know of because we're in Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> Um, good old East Mark. A good old East Mark. <laughs> or cult. Out here in the boonies. <laughs> no, but I was thinking about um, just sleep in general. And if you are on tour, like, you probably just don't sleep much. I think about the artists who have the ability to go on stage and perform. And then they get this huge high from performing. And then they want to party. And then they have people come to their dressing rooms or wherever. Or they go somewhere and they're partying. And then they wake up and then they have an interview at 5, 7 a.m. at Good Morning America. And I'm like, I don't think I have the capacity for that. That is another huge deterrent of fame for me. Yeah. Is I'm like, I like to sleep. I know. <laughs> Even after gigs, like, I'll do, like, a four or five hour gig. And I'll be like, I am totally drained. I could not go see my friends if I wanted to. Yeah. Like, I need to go home. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, that's, that's super important to learn. Because... Mm-hmm. I have always struggled with some sort of anxiety throughout my life. Um, probably the most nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of a. It, it's it's more of a feeling and a thought that the things that help my anxiety and help me to feel better, aren't readily available on the road. Yes. And so, I've done, I've done one tour bus trip where we were gone for six or seven days Mm -hmm. and I did better than I thought I was going to but thinking about doing that for weeks or months on end or having to just do it in general over a full year on and off yeah it's extremely exhausting yeah just thinking about it yeah yeah and exactly like you said like being able to come home to a safe place and that gives you peace and like you Unless you're the kind of person to be able to make the road that feeling in your Mm -hmm. home, I don't really know what you do. Yeah, I think it's different personality types and different ways that maybe people were, like, raised. Because to me, like, I I have friends where chaos was normal as children. Like, they lived in chaos, they moved, they did this, this, and that. And I, I... like, side note, moved, like, eight times before I was 18, but that, to me, like, I had such a stability of family around me, and my room was all, like, my parents had to, like, pull me out of my room as a kid, because they're like, you need to socialize with the family, (laughs) and I was like, but I love my room, like, and so I think for me, like, that's just kind of developed as an adult, where I'm like, I know to recharge my batteries, I need to be home, I cannot recharge my batteries away from home. Right. So I'm thankful that I have a space that I've lived in now for, you know, three, coming up on three years where I'm like, I just love coming home. Yeah. And I, it is like the only place I can feel completely myself as well. Because as a performer, you're on display. Like I'm constantly giving a version of me to everybody else to appease everybody, to make everyone happy, entertained. And so... I need to be able to come to a space where, like, I can be unapologetically myself. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, like, it compromises my values over the long term. And I just eventually, like, I just get really stressed and anxious and sad, probably. It's extremely insightful because it's, I mean, listeners of this podcast probably know that we all can Mm -hmm. and do make a living from music. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you can just gig in your hometown and make, like, a full living. And, yeah. You know, it depends on the town, but in Phoenix, we're pretty fortunate that yes. we have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's super insightful. Um, but, I, you, you know, you talk about getting off stage with, a, like, a high. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly know a lot of singers that, um, like Jacob Morris, um, 
if you're listening, Jacob, you suck. <laughs> Hi, Jacob. I've heard a lot about <laughs> nope, you. Nope, you suck. You sound great. Ignore Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've heard him talk about, like, he went home and went to bed, like, after... Like, you know, playing Whiskey Row is, like... It's it's a rush. I mean, you're playing to three, four hundred people, and it's it's more of, like, a show, and that feels nice. Or you get off stage opening for whatever artist that we've done, you know, quite a few times. But it's funny for me... And, and you and I were talking earlier about the love of performing as opposed to maybe just the love of music. Mm-hmm. And for me... The most, I think the most important thing I've learned about myself, amongst a lot of things, but in the past few years, is I love music mm-hmm. way more than I love performing. Hmm. That's interesting. And I don't know if you ever hear people that go, you probably have that, are just like, I just love music. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like, do you play an instrument? And they're yeah. like, no, God, no, not at all, yeah. but I love music. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's super interesting, because in our world... That doesn't exist no, singularly. No, it does not. Um, so I, I've just found that always interesting that, you know, myself, I can... I mean, I always typically have to drive home from a gig, whether yeah. it's 30 minutes or whatever. But, I mean, I can I can come home and get in bed. Yeah. And it's no issue. Yeah. You, you know, performer performers, and I, and I consider really any vocalist a performer more than... Me just being on the drums. I'm performing, you but like performing. I don't need to like engage the audience so yeah. much. Yeah, that's that's true. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm always surprised when I'm like with the big band and I'm like over here giving my all like <laughs> with the facial expressions and the dance moves and the whatever and the interacting with other bandmates and then I have like a band member who's like straight face. So I'm like, dude, are you gonna do anything? Yeah. <laughs> like we're all being... I'm not the only one being watched. Like People notice the details of a band. I mean, not everybody, because granted, I am doing wedding band performances, and a lot of people are very hammered, and they don't pay attention to everybody on stage, and I think that allows a lot of people to kind of zone out when they're on stage, um, which actually I've kind of been like, maybe I don't need to try so hard, but I'm like, no, I think for me personally, like I just want to give what I can give in that moment and not like pull back because everyone else is pulling back. Like That's just not me. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you kind of signed up for that role. Right, especially as, like, the head, the lead. Yeah. But, yes, like, the physical toll it can take on my body, and I think mentally, because I'm, like I was mentioning, I I think I'm very type A, Mm -hmm. like, I'm already overanalyzing everything I'm doing, (laughs) so I'm like, (laughs) oh, no, that run was bad, oh, no, that belt was terrible, oh, I sound like shit, whatever, like, sorry if I can't cuss on this podcast. Okay, you cool. can I'm like, I think I already said it. Fucking cuss. <laughs> Fudge! Sorry, ha ha, got him, got him. Okay, anyways. Sorry, Mom. I, sorry, sorry to Tanner's mom. Nice to meet you. She does listen to every podcast. Oh, that's Hi, mom. sweet. There's so many call-outs on here today. I know, I love that. Wife, love your that. boyfriend. Yeah, we've got everybody. Your mom. My mom. Jacob. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh... I'm overanalyzing everything, so it makes it hard to enjoy it for me a lot of the times. And then I recently started doing solo work, and what I've noticed about the solo work is I'm starting to be like, oh, I'm so sick of this run that I do all the time. Like, oh, I'm trying to change it up, and then I try to change it up, and I mess it up, and then I'm thinking about, like, ten different things, and it's just just hard to kind of get into my body with it. Like, I think... I'm very much a head person, so yeah. getting into my body and, like, feeling it has kind of become even more foreign than ever. Like, I would say before COVID, I was probably, like, most in my body able to kind of emulate what I wanted to do and relax into the music. Mm-hmm. And now, because I'm more alone in my performances, I'm always just thinking of how I messed up. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that was good, but nobody cares because I'm not. There's nobody next to me who's like who gets what I'm doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's been that's been a little bit of a struggle in terms of like enjoying what I'm doing. Um, gigging solo as opposed to being in a band is something that I never had to experience. Okay. Because I I I've always called myself at least a secondary performer. Huh. Um. So <clears throat> when I was only playing drums for a living before mm-hmm. I ever played guitar and sang um, live, which I did a lot of, or started DJing. 
um, I was always with at least one other person, if right. not a trio for, or, or full band. Right. Um, and that is super interesting what you say about like you're too much in your own head because when you are performing solo, you don't have somebody to like bounce off of. Yes. And so when I started DJing, yeah. Not that that is at all the same thing, okay? But you're alone in that in yes. your creating music. It's the first time I've ever been alone at performances. Okay. And again, while it is much different, um, you know, a transition that I just didn't get quite right or I think the one thing that I overly think is when I'm DJing, which is rare at a restaurant, Mm-hmm. I'm constantly scanning the crowd. Yeah. It's dinner time. Nobody's going to be like on tables dancing <laughs> yeah. to yeah. a laid back version of Coldplay, okay? Right. Or a remix version. But I'm always like scanning. I'm like, oh, oh God, they're not into it. Nobody's looking at me. They yes. hate it. Yeah. Which is actually a good thing. Yeah. Because they're going to be looking at you if, like, uh, you know, unless it's. Uh, really, really good, but that's only going to typically be with a singer or a instrumentalist. Sure. DJing, nobody's going to be like, "Wow, look at his skills!" Like, <laughs> that's so interesting. I never even thought about it from a DJ's perspective. But yeah, I bet yeah. less, even less people look at the DJ. Yeah, but there's also an art to you not sounding like a Spotify playlist. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you still need to differ differentiate yourself more than what a playlist would. Right. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it as far as, like, are you a performance DJ? Mm-hmm. Do you just... Like, I'm very much a... I stand there and focus and plan out my next few songs because I want there to be unique things. You're not, like, an MC on the, on the regular. Uh, MC at, DJ. No. <laughs> at, at weddings, I am. Um, okay. So you kind of get the crowd involved, like... A little bit. And that's what I like to do. Yeah. I I never thought I'd be comfortable doing that, but once you're in the moment and you see people responding to music you're playing, mm-hmm. um, which has happened in, in every sense of performing, mm-hmm. when I'm a drummer on a full band gig or, or DJ, but when it's only you up there, which mm-hmm. you experience, and you're getting fantastic feedback and, 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 you're, and you're feeding back off of the audience, right. there's a certain feeling, there's a certain rush, as mm-hmm. you said, that goes into that, and that's where a, I think a personality comes out of anybody that you may have not even thought you had. Yeah. And, and I didn't think I had that until I started doing, like, weddings, and, like, I, uh, I DJed, um, ASU Polytech over here, their homecoming, and, and it was a blast, because I just got to play, like... Yeah stupid 2000 bangers for you know for, and that's a good time <laughs> it's a great time yeah. and i didn't know that i was capable of like grabbing the mic and being like jump on three go <laughs> whatever yeah yeah whatever i was doing in the moment yeah. but i was like oh, i just did that and i was comfortable doing it yeah you don't feel like cringe afterwards yeah mm-hmm. but at the same time when you are solo and you make a mistake you just get to bask in it yes <laughs> yes yeah i think that's probably the hardest, and I feel like for me now when I go back into duos because I've had all this time alone to like judge and criticize myself, now I'm in a duo setting and mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing. Like I, it's like I cannot relax into it and just like enjoy it completely. But I, that's interesting about about DJing. Like I would have never, never thought that you're also in your head a little bit like I am. But that's interesting because. That's, I, I feel like that's kind of a personality trait. It is definitely a personality trait. Yeah. Does that, is that where some of your anxiety comes from too, like in general, is like being in your head too much? Yeah, but I mean, the anxiety has nothing to do with music specifically. It's right. just being in my own head about everything. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm going to be homeless in six months. Yeah. For no reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's being a major people pleaser and hating any sort of conflict and mm-hmm. thinking about the smallest conflict that that other person forgot about five minutes after. Yes. That I don't forget about it for six months. Uh-huh. It's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know necessarily if that is quote unquote type A. Yeah. I don't know if it is either. I don't know. I think everybody probably deals with some level of overthinking and anxiety. It's not just yeah. a certain personality type that does. 
Yeah, whatever the personality type is, I'd, I'd like to change. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. That's why I go to therapy. I'm in therapy, like, I used to be in therapy once a week, and now I'm every two weeks or something like yeah, that. Same. And it's, uh, it's been very helpful to kind of see, like, why these things were created in me and learn, like, oh, it's actually not my fault that I have anxiety, and I don't have to blame myself for anxiety created by, like, situations I was in as a kid or as an adult or mm-hmm. the society that I grew up in and all this stuff so I think it's been nice to understand it intellectually I just have yet to kind of like embody it embody the like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what that person thinks down the road that I messed up a run or whatever no one's thinking <laughs> about that except for me like get out of my head like it's just it's hard to put it into practice I think on a regular basis Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come see you live, though, and I'm going to be like, I'm going to remember some run. Don't! And I'm going to remember like, five years. You're going to remember that run at that one restaurant? Ooh, really mess that one up, like, <laughs> and I'm going to be like, I know! God! I cry about it nightly. Yeah, I'll be thinking about it, too, in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for real, I, still, I, I do think about certain performances, like, many years ago that I was like, God, I messed that one up. Really? Just years in the past. I don't know if I've ever... It's usually with people that I respect a lot who I play with where I'm like, I know that they know that I messed up. Like, that's (laughs) the worst feeling to me is I'm like, I already know I fucked up, but like, now you're here and I know you know and that makes it even worse for me. But I think that's what I was going to get at is not being alone, being in a duo setting. Like, you can ask for feedback. Like, was that as bad as I thought it was? Yeah, that's true. nine out of ten times you're going to be like... No. <laughs> yeah, or they'll mess up and then they'll be like, they'll like make a face or whatever, and I'm like, dude, that sounded great. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, like you're objectively very good. Like, even when you mess up, it sounds like you meant to do that. Uh-huh. And I think that's, I think talking about the mistakes is like a level of vulnerability that I've like yet to fully kind of try on. You know, like I'm, it gets pretty scary to be like hey did what did you think of my performance I've never asked anybody that because I grew up being criticized as like a performer like Mm -hmm. from I don't know I think I started singing when I was in like second third grade and my parents like we always we always like religiously watched American Idol and my parents could always tell the good from the bad I I was like I couldn't I literally was like I thought they were pretty good and my parents were like no and then the judges (laughs) would be like no and I was like okay, maybe my parents have some merit in what they're saying. And so then when I wanted to sing, they became very like, this sounds great, but you sound very nasally and we need to get you into vocal lessons. And it always became about critiquing. Like my brother would be like, your hand looks weird. Stop doing that with your hand when you're performing. (laughs) And it's like, God, like I'm in third, fourth, fifth, whatever. I was a child and it just, it was hard to take on that criticism. And then it was expected of me to take that on Mm -hmm. and better myself for it. And I think because, partially because of that and partially because of who I am as a human being, like, I now have taken on that role of being the criticizer to myself. Because I'm like, no one else is going to do it, so I'm going to do it for me. Which is then why I don't ask for criticism. To get back to the original point, is like, I don't want anyone else's feedback because I'm already giving myself terrible feedback. But I guess you could get positive feedback, too, if you were to ask. But I'm like, yeah, whatever, that's irrelevant. The bad stuff matters more. It's... It's a toxic trait that has gotten us to where we are, though. Because mm-hmm. I, I very much, I, I very often ask myself, would I be the same person without at least a level of anxiety that I have? Sure. Um, would I be as successful? Would I be as conscientious? Would I be as responsible? I don't think so. Yeah. Because... The times that I ev- uh, that I have ever tried to care less, mm-hmm. something bad happened. Yeah, I messed up. Mm. Um, there's definitely a balance. I agree. I think that's like a huge part is just balancing the like maybe I don't we don't need to be like so on this right side of the pendulum swing, maybe we can find the middle instead of going all the way to the left and not caring at all because that's unrealistic in the long run. Exactly. And even in the short run, it's kind of unrealistic. Or you're even just lying to yourself, like, I don't care. But, like, you totally care, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right on that. Like, I'd love to tell myself, like, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, 
if I was put in that actual exact situation, I'd be like, I, I care, I care a I lot. I care a lot, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's, I, I've always thought that the majority of musicians in general suffer from a similar anxiety, but mm. then I know a lot of musicians that are crazy talented, but they have no sense of time. Or they don't reply. <laughs> they just ghost. Yeah. yeah. And not tempo time. Like, they can't get to a gig on time. Yes. Or it's just very interesting how depression, anxiety, type... We're going to call us type M, type musician. I like it. Musician. Beautiful. Patent it. <laughs> don't take this. But then I talked uh, <clears throat> talk to um, Matt Thornton from Vinyl Station on a podcast, and we got into the subject of anxiety and he was like I've never had it <clears throat> really like, I don't struggle with it at all he shows up on time to every gig he's fantastic wow good for him and he's like what is that like I know <laughs> like we're talking about COVID and he's like I just it was fine he's like I just fi- figured it would work itself out <laughs> I was like Bro. that is such a cool mindset though <sighs> to have to like to understand like it's that, I mean, especially COVID, like, that was really not in our control, and to understand, like, something will work out, but then there's all the details, and for me, I'm a detailed, I'm a detailed girl, like, I'm mm-hmm. very detail-oriented, and I'm like, but what about my days? Like, I'm not gonna, I have to have something to do. I need to make money. I need to support myself, whatever, you know, and I'm thinking about all the little things, so it's hard to think of, like, oh, it'll, it'll all work out, because... You do have to make moves at some point. You can't. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not what he's saying. Like, I just sat and did nothing, and I figured it would work out. I'm sure that's not who, what he was saying. But that's how I see that mindset of, like, it'll work out. Like, then that, then it's like, then you can't be proactive. Then you can't take the steps so that it does work out. Like, yeah. you have to make it work out. You have to make some sort of move. <clears throat> yeah, I got a job. I got a job in sales. Hated it. Despised it with my life. But I was like... Do you still have it? No, no. no I... I did it for a full year, though, like, G- July 2020 to 2021, July. And, and I'm assuming you did that because of COVID? Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I'm not getting any gigs. I need to make money. I have a business degree, business management from ASU, and I was like, this is the whole point I got a degree. It was I was like, I needed something to fall back on because this job is volatile, and I yeah. always wanted to check all my boxes. So I was like, whatever, I have this degree. Let me go put it to use. Did sales for a year. You know, and it was great. It taught me a lot about um, my cold calling and selling a product, which I think somehow sales comes naturally to me. Yeah. And I think now I can use that knowledge to call on hotels and stuff to try to book because I'm like, I know the excuses now. Like, I know, (laughs) oh, we don't have time for that right now. That's an excuse. Like, yeah. people are just trying to put you off, and I can just see them so much quicker from this, like, intense sales training I had. And I also paid off my student loans with that money, so I was like, this was, it was a it was a great benefit in my life. I just hated the culture. I hated that I wasn't singing. I hated that I worked more than four hours. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was so, I feel, like, so spoiled. <laughs> Like, the life of a musician is great. Like, you yeah. go to work at 4 p.m., you're done at 8 or 9. Like, yeah. And I... Really, Isn't that funny when you say it out loud? It sounds bad. It sounds so It's hard. Yeah. I'm going to go work for three hours. Yeah. I'm like, God, I sound very spoiled. I'm not spoiled. I work hard, but... And to be very honest, like, the excuse that I hear the most after that statement is... But we've worked so hard over the years to find our talent. Yeah. I haven't worked that hard. <laughs> I no. straight up. Like, well, you just know, but you know people. You're saying like the talent that you book. No, 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 no. On on instruments. Oh, I, I see. didn't work that hard, in my opinion. To be a good drummer. No. Yeah, really? I'm sorry. Yes, you are correct. But no, I have not worked hard to be a good drummer and I used to be mm. a little bit better of a drummer when I was playing a lot a lot sure um no I've worked my ass off for my business yes do not get me wrong that has been many 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 hours of learning things mm-hmm. and trial and error but I am very 
blessed and gifted with natural ability on instruments. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't think you had to work that hard at your voice, or did you? I don't think I did. I guess I don't know, I guess, like, what your definition of work hard is. Because I'm like, I've sang my whole life. I've been in choirs. That's some technical training. Yeah. I sang in college. I sang in high school. Like, I've been singing. And so to me, like, some, I don't know if I would even define this as hard work, but, like, hours is work. I don't know if it's hard work. Um, any hour that you were doing that activity is work. But are you considering it work while you're doing it? Or actually, let me yeah. put it this way. <laughs> I feel the only time you start calling something work, in my opinion, is mm -hmm. when you would rather be doing something else. And yeah. I ask myself this a lot, um, a lot of times in different scenarios. Do I want to be doing this? Yeah. Would I definitely not want to be doing this? Or am I in the middle? Am I fine? I'm fine being here. Mm. And there were moments when I knew that drumming became, specifically drumming, became work because I was like, I do not want to be here. I yeah. don't want to be doing this. Yeah. However, during those years mm -hmm. is when I became the best player. Hmm. So my question to you is like when you say that I was in choir and I was in school singing or I yeah, guess yeah. I was choir too. While you were doing that, we were like, God, I wish I could be doing something else. No, I, I think up until like year two of singing professionally I've loved singing I've yeah. always choir I did hate specifically not because of the singing but it was because of like the song selection I hated I also hated like blending like I can yeah. blend I can sing in a chorus that I'm getting lost in but I was always like I want to have a solo like I want to sing I want to hear my voice because I don't want to hear these other kids who don't care about singing's voice. Like, sorry. Like, Especially when they're not good. Yeah, and I don't want to say that. But, like, you know, at a young age, I was like, I, I was singing. So my first choir experience when I was really little, I was, I think, like, second or third grade. And I was singing so loudly <laughs> because I was like, I want to be heard. Like, yeah. you will hear my voice. I can know? imagine little Lexi in a video just, <laughs> Like, probably hurting my vocal yeah. cords from day one. <laughs> That's why I need vocal therapy now. But anyways, uh. and so my choir teacher pulled me aside and was like, I think you, I think, or they pulled my parents aside, really, and were like, I think she would do well in vocal lessons. So I did vocal lessons, and then I was in choir, choir, choir. I went to a performing arts high school, choir, choir, and I just was like, God, I hate. Like, we were singing songs that were beautiful thinking back. But in the moment, I was like, I don't want to sing a song in Italian. I don't want to sing a song in German. Oh, wow. I don't want to do any of this. I don't enjoy that. And so that's when I, like, switched out of choir into Glee, and it was more pop current songs. And I was like, this is it for me. Like, is this I in loved... college? This was in high school. Okay. So in at ASA, you kind of have to choose a major, and you can choose music as your major. Or Explain you choose... what ASA is. Sorry, Arizona School for the Arts. It's in okay. downtown Phoenix, and... I went there from 7th grade to 12th grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was there for quite some time. I had no idea that school even existed. It's um, it's a small charter school. Like, my graduating class was like 74 kids, so mm -hmm. pretty small. Um, but eventually, it changed. In high school, you kind of have to pick music, dance, I think theater. Probably acting, yeah, theater. Theater. I can't remember if there's another one because music was a, the biggest umbrella because right. you could do band, you could do orchestra, you could do choir, like you could do piano, like you could do so many different things under the music category, but none of the like specialty choirs, which I considered glee to be, were in music. So I had to switch my major to theater because it was under the theater realm because it was yeah. like dancing, singing, you know, there's a lot more movement involved, which was honestly fine. I'm glad because I didn't want to play piano in high school. Yeah. I didn't want to play any other instrument. I played clarinet for like two years in middle school. And I was like, I don't want to keep doing that. So <laughs> theater made the most sense for me. So then I started getting solos and I started doing more shows actually. And then I went to college and joined at ASU and I joined an acapella group. 
And that was even cooler to me because it is, it's a conglomerate of voices. It's not a choir of voices. It's everybody has their own lane and you feel powerful if you're doing the baseline or if you're doing the, I was like the beatboxer of the group. Like I loved, I loved it. And then I would get the solos and I was like, this is, it's just like you had so much range in acapella. And so then. But there's only how many of you typically? I I think there was like 14 of us. Okay. Like a decent amount. There are smaller groups. My senior year, I was in La Capella, which was the, San, I think Sandra Day <laughs> O'Connor, like ASU law school. Uh-huh. And my friend was like, hey, like you're technically an ASU student. Do you want to be in this other acapella group? And I was kind of done with the current acapella yeah. group I was in. So I was like, yes. So I was in La Capella and there were seven of us. So it cut in half, and there were males and females. So the first group I was in was all females. You just don't have as much range. You can't do any of the the deep, deep bass stuff, deep alto stuff, tenor, whatever. Um, And then, yeah, so when I went to the seven-person group, it was so fun. It was so cool because everyone's like, you have to be on your game. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like, your part is your part. In a choir, when you have 60 kids or whatever, more of those, um... Yeah, there's some. There's a lot of other people singing your part. Yes. So if you just like back out, it's like you take care of it. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. I don't have yeah. to really try hard, but in, and I think that's where like the meticulousness of my voice kind of developed was in acapella specifically in la cappella. Yeah. And I was like, I have to be perfect. This has to be perfect, or else it will be known to everyone that I'm not doing my part. And they will know. Yeah, and so I was like, that's where that all came from. So. Yeah, I guess that was my little journey in music. And then I started professionally singing right out of college at 2018. Nice. Yeah, so in professionally singing for, I guess, four years, because you have to subtract COVID. Mm, yeah, I, I, I don't subtract COVID. I didn't sing professionally. In your house, you sing professionally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't paid, so I'm like, I was singing. <laughs> um, I honestly had no idea that ASA existed. That's super cool. Yeah, that's where... I think you mentioned Shane earlier. I met Shane him. Travis, yeah. I met him in, at ASA. So so it is junior high and high school. Yeah. Now it's, I think now it's fifth grade all the way to 12th grade. Okay. So, but you, so just so I'm clear, you still have to take your major core classes. Yes. But yeah. they're putting an emphasis on the arts. Correct. Yeah. So okay. your first four hours of the morning are all academics. And they consider oh. it a college prep. So it's like, oh, okay. a, it's challenging. And then you go to lunch in your last two hours or three hours if you choose a f- uh, last hour, I don't know what they call it, um, our arts. That's strange, though, because I went to um, just Shepherd Junior High Public School, and, like, my first two hours in the morning were banned. Really? And the rest of it was a bunch of bullshit that I didn't need. But <laughs> <laughs> you needed math. Come on. No, I did not. You have to do simple math. Like what? I don't know. Like, like at the grocery literally store. Literally two plus two. Yeah, like sometimes. That's on my phone. <laughs> sometimes you need that. I swear, if you break out your phone and do two plus two, I'm gonna be like, this guy's kind of dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I definitely do like twenty percent on a bill. You just move the decimal over one time and times it by two. It's so simple. Okay, I get that and I do that. And now I just kind of round it up and I'm like, you were a good waiter. Yeah, yeah. Let you me give you a little fantastic. extra. Yeah, I'm the same way. They're like, that was fifty percent. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I definitely am not gonna math. But legit two plus two, I'd be like, come on, come no, on. I wouldn't have my phone for that. I wouldn't be on this podcast if we could do two plus two. <laughs> Don't ask me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he still hasn't answered. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> um, I just I don't know. I, I feel like. I feel like there would be more emphasis on hours of arts at a school like that. But, oh, I mean, just like just two, uh, two to three hours, yeah. Well, I mean, at, at the same time, I was coming in for a hour and... Because I didn't do high school music at all. Um, when did you start? Playing? Yeah. Um, I was playing at a semi-proficient level at five. Jeez. But my dad played drums. Okay, so it's kind of in the family. Yeah, and then his dad um, wow. was super talented. And I actually never knew... I never knew his dad, um, but he, I guess he played, like, a ton of brass and woodwinds, piano, sang. Um, so that really was, like, yeah. you were born into that a little bit. There is there is no doubt in my mind that you definitely get talents from genes and from mm. blood. 
Now there are people that it's like, I've never had somebody musical in my family and I'm fantastic. And it's like, okay, where did that come from? Yeah. But for me, it, and, and that's why I'm able to be like, music comes pretty easy for me. Mm-hmm. But it came from somewhere. It, it came from relatives. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm just lucky, too. Like, don't get me wrong. I have played a lot of drums and guitar and stuff in my life. Yeah. But, and, and there were certain seasons of my life that it definitely felt like work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's just different than somebody, I don't know how many, I don't know how many, like, insanely talented people started off, like, terrible, terrible. For years. Yeah. I understand that, like, but here's the thing, is, like, when you, when you start hearing a young kid sing. Mm-hmm. Every kid sings, I think. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah, like, they're gonna sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars or whatever at some age. Sure. You can tell if they can carry some sort of tune, if they can, um, if they can listen and call back. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my nephew, he just turned, um, three, three, and, like, he's definitely showing every single time he comes over, drums! Oh, he wants to play. Too. Oh, yeah. And like... That's cute. And he knows rhythm. Yeah. And and you can tell. But but his mom, my sister-in-law, has musical ability. Mm-hmm. Her parents have musical ability. You can see where it's passed down yeah. from. So, and that's only why I, I get to saying, you know, I doubt Ariana Grande was like atrocious while Ever. she's trying to sing for the first two years. And it's like... No, we got her the right vocal coach, and she all of a sudden got good. Sure, yeah, it's more That's like refining saying. ability, and I do, I do believe you have to have some. You must be born with some sort of ability to develop your talent. I don't know because mm-hmm. I've um, given vocal lessons in the past. Just ask us. And there are, there are students where you're just like, I don't know, and and for me, like I'm not. I wasn't trained to be a vocal teacher. So mm-hmm. I am really, I'm just doing, and I, and I give the parents this like basically prenup of being like, listen, <laughs> I don't have professional training in how to teach, but I can do what I can do. And if there is a, a limit on my ability for your child, I'll let you know. Cause I'm not trying to take anybody's money. Yeah. If, if there's a coach who might be better than me or who can help develop the talent at all. Cause part of me is like, I can help refine something. I can show you how to do warm-ups. I can show you where to place the voice. Like, But if if you can't call back um, three notes and you're 12, 13, 14, like, to me, I'm like, it's probably not there. And I feel awful saying that because this is some kids' dreams. But it's like, someone's <laughs> got to tell them. And yeah, I can't do parents. it. It's not going to be me. Yeah. Like, but I will, I will tell the parent, like, hey, I just don't think this is a good match. I'm unable to help your child get past this point. Um, I'd recommend seeing, like, a, a true professional to get an, a different opinion, you know. Or I'd recommend your child not doing this anymore. Yes, it's so sad. How though. bad like, do you want to crush your little yeah, girl's heart? because <laughs> that's when they're so impressionable. I mean, think 12 to 14, like, you're already moody, you're coming into your hormones, like... And then for your parents, and you probably don't even believe your parents, first of all. Because I remember when my parents were like, you're singing through your nose. I was like, you don't know anything about singing. You're not singers. And eventually I was like, wait, I am. Like, my coaches told me that I also was singing yeah. through my nose. But I I think I think for the, like for some students in particular, though, I'm like, they're doing musical theater. Mm-hmm. Just switch to theater. Take out the singing. Like, that would be a good, I should just, I should. But don't you have to sing musical, th- musical theater? Well, I'm saying, like, just do theater. Oh, I see. Don't do yeah. musical theater. Like, just switch to acting. Because oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe that's where that love can kind of develop additionally. And, like, I don't know if you're a good actor or not. Like, that, to me. But try it. To me, that, like, acting is completely different. Like, you can be taught to act. It's not, you're not born with it. Do you have any acting ability? I, I did. I, I acted when I was in, like, sixth grade. We went out to California. We lived in California. did the okay. L.A. thing. Lived in Burbank. But it was right during, like, there was this huge, notorious, like, writer strike. And I was in, like, sixth grade. Hadn't had braces yet, so my teeth were all jacked up. 
And this is not an important point. I, but it is. Do. It is because like they want cute kids. Okay, they don't want kids with ten teeth in their mouth. I don't know. So I just needed uh, a little developing, physically, <laughs> oh <my laughs> aesthetically, God. and. No, I took some acting classes, and I got really good. I remember thinking, I was like, wow, I feel so good. I finally got a call back to do, to, like, be a part of an agency. They were about to sign me, and then my brother was two, he's, he's 15 months older than me, Mm -hmm. but in school, two years older, and he got the call. We were both out there acting in LA. He got the call from Brophy in Arizona, and they were like, Hey man, you got in, and he was like, "Cool, I don't care about acting. I want to go play football, Brophy." Oh, okay. And so my parents were like, "We cannot pay for a house here, a house here, acting like and California, Brophy. Arizona, bro." Like they're like, "We gotta make a choice." And so I guess naturally the choice was for me to come home, and that just like fizzled out. But I'm like, I've always thought like I would totally do acting again. Yeah. I loved. I loved acting. I mean. You're still young. Yeah, I'm like, maybe that's my next adventure. <laughs> and it's just a plus that you can sing really well on top of that, I think. Because maybe implementing singing into an acting role is, you know, maybe you find a passion for that in some way. Like, yeah. Look at, like, um, uh, Kristen Bell in, in uh, Frozen. Frozen. Yeah. Like, I didn't know she was that good of a singer. Neither and I think she's I. a little bit more classically or trained. Or music, musical yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah, musical theater, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, she does it live on the stage with... It's not even a performance. And you're like, oh, like, you killed this. You pulled this off. And yeah. so you really start wondering if, like... There just wasn't the love for being for being an artist, for being a singer. Right, you know? right. Have you seen the second season of White Lotus? <gasps> my wife and I's favorite. Oh my god, okay. This is great, because the girl who plays Daphne, her name is Megan Fahey. She's the wife to the rich guy. The really hot Australian guy? Yes. Yeah, I said it. He's very hot, he's and very... he's very Australian. <laughs> Which is wild. Did you know that the, the um, his friend? The Asian guy. Yeah, he's What's his British. Name? He's British? Yeah. No, I, I looked that up too. I was like, what? Yeah, no, you would not. Uh, both of them, they do yeah. great American accents. Um, Anyways. So, Megan Fahey is the actress's name who plays Daphne. The, the blonde. Wife. Yeah, the blonde yeah, is just yeah. kind of like, I'm being ignorant on purpose. Like, that <laughs> is her role in the show. Yeah. One of the best singers I may have ever heard in a long time. Really? Like, holy shit, oh, she's oh, very good at singing. And she just did, like, some Christmas special where she sang some beautiful Christmas song. And I was like, Jesus, dude, like... You just would never expect that. There's no singing in her roles. She was also in yeah. a show called The Bold Type that I love. And Megan Fahey. She's just, she's so talented. And I'm like, see, she could do it, but she chose acting. And now she's killing it. But she has, like, nothing out for singing. Like, you can't, like, how, like never, how did you find out? Um, I follow her on Instagram and I saw her post a video uh-huh. of her singing live. And I was like, and this is live. Like, that's yeah. how good she is. And she's so good. Huh. And you just would never expect that out of her. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame that, like, you know, the general public looks at that, look, looks at that, and they're like, well, why aren't you utilizing it? And it's like, well, because I doesn't want to. like acting. Or she's just in this path right now, and, yeah. you know, she's got plenty of time left. She's young, so. Yeah, just don't be a Disney Channel actor, <sighs> quote-unquote, that has to record an album. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, what? I love, like, Metamorphosis, that's, like, one of her first albums. <laughs> My love, love of my life. Like I thought, I looked like Hillary Duff as a kid. Like I was a psychopath. Like you I was look like, exactly like Hillary. <laughs> we have the same nose. Like I just I was really... like, we just look so similar. And uh, no, I was posters on walls obsessed with Hillary Duff. Like I was, I was in the Disney era though. Like when I went to act when I was in sixth grade, I was like, yeah, literally. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lexi, and you. I wanted to do that so badly. I auditioned for um, a Disney show. I forget what it's called. But I also auditioned for Paul Blart Mall Cop. What? <laughs> to be his daughter. Why didn't we talk about this an hour ago? Is that crazy? Like, I think about that. I'm like, she was Latina, but I don't oh. know what they were thinking when they were trying to audition me. Maybe the role wasn't really developed yet. Was but that yeah. was that a requirement that they had to be Latina? Well, they they when you're getting calls for auditions, like they do call like a young black girl or a girl oh. with braids or they they, they call very specific oh, okay. attributes or okay. not attributes, but 
you know, physical characteristics yeah. that they want to see. And so I always remember that being kind of weird too. Just being like, can you imagine how weird it is to be like, we need an insanely obese person to play this part. And you're like, I could do Yeah. Or like it's weird. an old, like I always think about the grandmas, like you're going to be playing like a senile grandma and you're like, they're like, here I go. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. But you know, you choose to do that. Yeah. You choose to put yourself there. And I think that's, the work you can get at certain ages and with certain looks and but now I'm like I don't know if acting is attainable at this age well I mean I'm sure it's attainable but I'm like I, I don't I'm not gonna uproot myself to go to California and I also despise LA like I yeah. hate traffic I am the big like biggest road rage person like I'm so happy but I'm like get me on the road and you will not see me happy don't move to California <laughs> yeah that's why I'm For like all of us. I don't think I could do it like I just I'd have to ride around on a freaking scooter, electric scooter. I'd rather do that than wait. <laughs> my hair is so heavy, like, it won't, like, mess up my hair, you know, because I got oh, yeah. braids. Like, just got to get a little So should I get braids? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Or cor- you, cornrows. Do you want cornrows? Would that make you happy? Why do the cornrows? God. That's hot. That actually reminds me of, um, do you watch Parks and Rec? I don't. Okay, one of the characters, like, his name's Ron Swanson, and he, like... Oh, well, I know Ron, yeah. He gets back with his ex, Tammy, and she, like, he has cornrows <laughs> in his hair, and I'll, he's wearing this, like, crazy robe. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, no, please don't do it. No, listen, if you're a white guy, don't have cornrows. Don't have cornrows. Don't have cornrows. Hey, we all agree. We all agree, don't do it. <laughs> We're going to end on the topic of cornrows. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, Lexis, thank you so much for being here and working on this song. It's going to sound awesome. Yeah. Already sounds awesome today. Thanks. Yeah, I would love to have you back at some point. Yes, I'd love to be back. This I feel like this was like the quickest hour, however long. They go quick. Yeah, this was great. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. If you want to plug anything, please do. Yeah, um, at Lexi Faust Music on Instagram. That's F-A-U-S-T <laughs> Music. Um, and I have a show on the 21st of January. There's a 7 p.m. and a 9 p.m. showing at Crescent Ballroom. And it's going to be 90s top R&B hits. So I'll be singing some Whitney. I'll be singing Ooh. some TLC, some Mariah Carey. Ooh. So I'm really excited for that. So come come see me if you're not working. Are there tickets that you're buying? Yeah, there's tickets. Okay, uh, it's on my Instagram. It's literally tagged. The, Lexi Faust Music. Yeah. Okay. L-E-X-I. <laughs> but anyway, this and music F- is M U S I C. Okay, guys. I wish you would have spelled that different. It's M E W S Y. Oh, oh. Okay. Ooh. Music. <laughs> thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.